Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! But yeah, we're going to start our fast next week, and we'll be teaching more about it. Um, probably two days before Christmas, the Lord, you know, last year we talked about how um, the Lord wanted us to become people of communion. And I have to apologize because we didn't run with that theme, that theme all throughout the year. Um, but, you know, I've, with, with this year, with what the Lord wants to do with us, you know, I've, I've told the Lord, I've promised the Lord, like, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. And uh, unashamedly, we are going to do it. Uh, um, but anyways, two days ago before Christmas, I was thinking about, Lord, okay, you know, January is going to come. You know, most churches, it's popular to do a vision series, you know, vision series, vision casting, all that. And, you know, as much as I love to do that, I, I'd rather just do whatever the Lord wants to do. Amen? Amen. Trends are great. Trends are fun. But the Lord is eternal. Trends are not eternal. So I said, Lord, what is it? You know, I don't just want to uh, do a vision series. I just don't just want to do something that's trendy. I don't want to, you know, years ago when 2020 was coming up, everybody was like, 2020, the year of vision, 2020 vision. And guess what? We all got hit with COVID. So I was like, yep. I was like, I learned my lesson. I was like, I will never be that person that's like brand new year. I see, blah, 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 I see. And now what does the Lord say? And then we just declare that. But two days ago, or two days before Christmas, the Lord told me that with this collective, he wants to move us from water to wine. From water to wine. Somebody say water to wine. So as we do this fast and as we as this month uh, continues, that's that's what we're going to be talking about. We can make we'll, we'll officially make it into a series um, and have graphics and all that stuff, devotions to go along with it. But where I want to where I want to focus on is is us becoming going from water to wine, from water to wine and not just focus on it throughout January, but focus on it throughout the whole year. What does it look like for us personally? going from water to wine? What does it look like us as a church going from water to wine? What does it look like uh, as parents going from water to wine? What does it look like our marriages going from water to wine? What does it look like us uh, on our jobs going? I mean, like every detail of our life. What does it look like from our, uh, in the finances perspective, what does it look like as our finances go from water to wine? Amen. So this year, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about going from water to wine. But I want to say this, uh, and even if you are taking notes, you could put this at the top of your paper. But the Father will not put new wine into old wineskins. The Father will not put new wine into old wineskins. And that's what our focus is going to be on today. You know, like I said, last year we talked about being people of communion, and this year we're going to be focusing on, we'll still focus on being a person of communion. We'll still focus and focus on the union of God. But we're also going to be focused on going from water to wine. Amen. Amen. And I'm so sorry. I just realized I never touched you those scriptures. So uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Hallelujah. Uh, the Passion Translation. Luke chapter five. We'll do 27 through 39. 27 through 39. Is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Dre has sang that song this morning. Good, 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 good. Got to the bridge. I was like, girl, you better. I had to remind myself, you know, we in front of people, but I want, you better sing, Dre. You better sing. You better, you better pretend that song's some red velvet cake. You better eat it up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Hallelujah. <laughs> And verse 27 says this, afterward, Jesus went out and looked for a man named Matthew. He found him sitting at his tax booth, for he was a tax collector. Jesus said to him, be my disciple and follow me. That very moment, Matthew got up, left everything behind and followed him. Uh, verse 29 and 30, Matthew wanted to throw a banquet to honor Jesus, so he invited Jesus to his home for dinner, along with many of Levi's fellow tax collectors. Yeah. <clears throat> and other guests, but the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law complained to Jesus' disciples, why would you defile yourselves by eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't Jesus know it's wrong to do that? Verse 31, Jesus overheard their complaining and said, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? 
I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who know they are sinners and bring them to repentance. Watch this. Verse 33, Jesus' critics, they question him. John the prophet is known for leading his disciples to fast often and pray. As the religious leaders of the land, we do the same. Why do you and your disciples spend most of your time feasting at banquets? That's, that's, a, that's a pretty cool complaint. You know, to be hanging out with Jesus and everybody's complaining, well, man. You know, ain't nobody complaining about the, the theology. Ain't nobody complaining about, you know, his dress code. They're like, man, why y'all always eating all the time? That's, that's, I, that's the, okay, Jesus, I can do that. Like, all right, Lord. In verse 34, Jesus replied, should you make the sons of the bridal chamber fast while celebrating with the bridegroom? You ever notice when you go to a wedding, nobody's fasting? That's right. Verse 35, but when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then you will see them fasting. 36, and he gave them this illustration. Watch this. No one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old, worn out one. If you tear up the new to make a patch for the old, it would not match the old garment. And who pours new wine into an old wine skin? If someone did, the old wine skin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must always be poured into new wine skins. I'm going to say that again. New wine must always be poured into new wine skins. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. See, this, uh, the, all this is about is two mindsets. It's two type of mindsets, old wine and new wine. Somebody say old wine, and new wine. <laughs> new wine, who this? You know, at the core of the two mindsets, uh, sorry, it's just a, it's just a, yep, yep. And, and, you know, at the core of the two mindsets, all it comes down to is where is our dependency? Who does our dependency lie within? Who does your dependency lie within? You know, is it Jesus or tradition? Is it, is it Jesus? Does our dependency lie within Jesus or does it lie within the religion? Does our, our dependency, are we dependent on Jesus or are we more dependent on the structure of church? Are we dependent on Jesus or are we more dependent on our performance? Are we dependent on Jesus or are we dependent on the way we've always done things? Are we dependent on looking at the face of Jesus or dependent on the shadow of Jesus? See, the old covenant, the Israelites, they, Moses, they caught the shadow of Jesus. And they, I mean, they were excited. But still, at the end of the day, you ever seen the shadow of a person? You don't get as, I mean, you know, you may get a little, a little anxious when you see the shadow of somebody that you love, but it's not enough. You still want more, amen? amen. And we can, we can be one of the, we can, be, we can fall in one of those two groups. We could be excited with what we already know about God, or we can want more. Or we can crave more. See, the thing about a relationship is a relationship should never be a, a, a relationship should never plateau. And a lot of times relationships do plateau. But in a true relationship, you should always be wanting more of the other, uh, the, your spouse that you're married with or, or you are doing life with. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I love this. But see, it, uh, to understand what we're talking about, if uh, I'm just going to be a full millennial with this statement, but if um, if I'm not who you if if I'm not who you thought I was was a person, it's Jesus. If I'm not who you thought I was was a person, it's Jesus. You know, because in chapter five, Jesus constantly shows us that you know uh, he constantly shows everyone that who they thought the Messiah was. He was more than that. Jesus, he keeps showing them, hey, who you think I am is I'm more than who you think I am. I, you know, the, the bots that you have me in, I don't fit that bots. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the one that sustains life. Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2 says that the very molecules that hold objects together is him. Even in the very core of the molecules and the subconscious level, and not even subconscious level, but the quantum level that we can't see with the naked eye, you can pierce and see that it's him. He's more than who we thought he is, Amen. And in chapter 5, literally, you know, you have to turn there because I'm just going to paraphrase it. But literally in verses 1 through 11, Jesus showed us that faith in him looks like, to quote Peter, faith in him looks like, because of your word, we will go. Did you catch those seven Chick-fil-A nuggets? Let me break it down for you. Because of your word, we will go. That's what faith in Jesus looks like. Jesus showed them that faith in me, it's not, it doesn't look like your performance. It doesn't look like you reading the Bible and keeping up this great streak. Yes, it's good to read the Bible, but if you miss a day, do not beat yourself up. Jesus is literally saying, faith in me, firm persuasion in me looks like because of your word, I will go. 
Because of your word, Jesus, we will go. And to give context, Peter literally said, because of your word, we will go out onto the water and throw our nets on the other side. Amen. 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 Listen, in verse, uh, what was that? There's another chance where Jesus shows us that he's more than uh, he's more than who we thought he is. He's more than who we thought he is. I think let me I want to read this part in the mirror study Bible, if that's okay. Yeah. What is it? Verse 29. Well, actually, I'll just quote it. But in the mirror study Bible, in that same, in that same passage, in verses 1 through 11, Peter calls Jesus captain. I like this one. Somebody say captain. Jesus calls Peter captain. Why? Because he's Peter is announcing that Jesus as the skipper of his boat. He's announcing Jesus is the captain of the boat. See, the captain, if you've ever seen that, that movie, Captain Phillips, you know, the famous, you know, I'm the captain now. You know, see, the captain, you know what the captain does? The captain is in charge of calling the shots. The captain is in charge of leading the boat, leading the direction, determining what direction the boat is going to take. Is Jesus the captain of your ship? Is Jesus the captain only when you can see where he's taking you? Listen, the Lord asked me this last night. It, 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 the Lord asked me, Lindsay, am I the captain only of your ship only when you can see where I'm taking you? Church, do we, do we allow Jesus to be the captain of our ship when we can see where he's taking us? Are we allowing Jesus to be the captain of our ship when, when he's taking us into uncharted waters? You know, honestly, is, is he still the captain even when we don't know where we're going? Is he still the captain when you don't know where you're going? See, understand this. A, a lot of times your struggles aren't influenced by the devil. They're caused by your refusal to let go of the steering wheel. A lot of, because a lot, we love to blame, oh, we love to bind up the devil. When a lot of times it's your stubbornness. When a lot of times it's your refusal to say, you know what, okay, Lord, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of this. Mark Batterson, he says this, one of my favorite authors. He says this. He says, you can have faith or you can have control, but you cannot have both. If you want God to do something off the chart, you have to take your hands off the controls. You can have faith or you can have uh, control, but you can't have both. If you're going to follow Jesus, literally, that, I'm literally, it's in the name, following Jesus. You know, if you, I remember growing up when we would go to Gatlinburg, we, we would have this caravan of cars. We have, we'd probably be like, you know, seven or eight cars deep, but everybody just following everybody on I-40. You know, you know where the leader was? The leader was always in front. You know where the followers were? Behind the leader. But for some reason, as Christians, we say we're going to follow Jesus, but we try to get in front. Especially when things get tough. Things get tough. Oh, here, I, I, I got it. Oh, no, Lord, no, no, I'm, I'm going to handle it. I'll take care of it. Oh, shoot, my, 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 my heart's saving my hands. Hey, Lord, I got it. I can defend myself. We love, we love to put, okay, God, you, you, just, you just come back here. You good. I'll I bring you out when I need you. I'll bring you out when I need you. Jesus showed us that he's not who everyone thought he was, uh, that he was going to be in verses 12 to 15 when he healed a man who was plagued with leprosy. Again, Jesus defied everyone's expectations of him in verse 16, right after teaching and healing the sick. Instead of riding that high, the Bible says that he slips off into the wilderness to pray. You ever done something so good and everybody applauds you up, claps you up, and, you know, for a minute, just, you know, for that 15 seconds, you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember one time uh, we was living in Florida. I can't, I, I can't fully remember what it was. Oh, oh, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Because I, I called, I, I think I either called or texted Dre after I did it. But I remember the first time I killed a snake. I killed it with a hammer. And you know what? This brother was proud. When I did it, my bare hands, bah! I was like, yeah! I went, I went running through the church. I kid you, I ran. I was like, yeah! To Kelsey, I was so proud. I was like, yo, hubby, you know what kind of hubby you got? You got Thor killing snakes with a hammer. Oh, you was there. Yeah, that's right. She witnessed it. So that made it even more better for me. I text Dre. I'm like, Dre, guess what your big brother did? As if she's got other brothers. You know, it, your big brother. Guess what he did? Because I was so proud. That was, that, was a, that was a highlight for my life. Literally in verse 16, it said that he, Jesus, healed people. Healed the multitude of people. Taught things that would blow people's mind. And instead of him riding that high, he slips off to pray. 
Instead of taking in the applauses of man, he slips off to pray. Why? Because he's different. Why? Because he's not just water. He's wine, too. He's on a whole nother level. He's different. Amen. Jesus showed us that he's on a whole nother level by forgiving the sins of a paralyzed man and healing him, too. Now, Lindsay, why is this different? Because understand this, you got to think the people, they saw him as the son of a carpenter. They saw him as a carpenter. And, you know, if somebody, uh, only God could forgive sins. So who is this carpenter that's forgiven sins unless he's God in the flesh? He wasn't just, yes, he was interested in forgiving the man's sin. Yes, he was interested in, 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 uh, in, in giving him the ability to walk again. But also he was making a statement to let them know, hey, only God forgives sin. And I'm God in the flesh. Why? Because he's not just water. He's wine. Amen. Amen. Which leads us to where we started earlier in verse 27. Jesus showed us that he is different by inviting him. He invited Matthew, who was seen as a traitor to his own people. He invited him into friendship and discipleship. And Matthew, he was so moved that not just him, but every 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 sinner labeled by society gathered together and threw a feast and like Kelsey said, those feasts, they wouldn't just last one or two hours, unlike our Christmas party. Um, those feasts, they would last afternoons and, and whole days and weeks. Now I ain't saying y'all got to come over and hang out for a whole week because that ain't going to work. Okay, I'm just saying. Jesus came, died. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a little in between. We'll, we'll figure it out later. We'll work out the deal. My people will talk to your people and we'll, we'll make it happen. But, you know, those feasts, they would last for days at times, sometimes weeks. And literally, uh, you know, uh, the fact that Matthew and all these all these sinners that were labeled by society, the fact that they came and gathered, it rubbed the religious people the wrong way. Amen. See, in verse 29, I want to read in the in the mirror Bible real quick. In verse 29, I want to read what it sounds like or or says it's <clears throat> Hallelujah, it's pretty powerful. In verse 29, it says this. There we go. It said, he then invited Jesus, talking about Matthew. Matthew invited Jesus to his house where he prepared a very large banquet to his honor. A great many tax collectors as well as a crowd of people from all walks of life attended the fast. Again, listen to this. Again, Luke draws specific attention to the fact that sinners are celebrating their friendship with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus mirrors their original blueprint of life. The most labeled sinners in society were irresistibly attracted to Jesus. The prostitutes and the publicans witnessed his life mirrored in their redeemed integrity of their own. And watch this. They knew that what they thought to be their life was a lie. Just by being with Jesus, they knew that, hey, this ain't the life. What we, the way we've been living, that ain't how we're supposed to live. It never said at the feast that Jesus was like, bro, why are you dressed like that? Who you going? You with them? No, nah, you know, it never said that Jesus berated them harassed them, criticized them. It said just by being in his presence. See, there's this thing that we, I remember when I was studying leadership years ago, there's this thing called the ministry of presence. And see, the ministry of presence, what the ministry of presence says, that sometimes all you have to do is just show up in somebody's life. And it, and it speaks more than what words can say. It speaks more than what words can say. And, I, and we all can attest to this. You, we all can think of a time in our life when we were kids when one of our parents showed up by surprise. I remember one time when I was a kid uh, at Kaywood. His, I mean, this was like maybe third or fourth grade. I'm surprised I can't remember. Yes, yes, Kelsey Will. That's another one put on the board. But I remember one time it's just a regular day at Kaywood. I mean, like beef, sing, beef fingers and mashed potatoes day. You know, not nothing special, but still is good. You know, and all of a sudden I walk around the corner. There's my grandpa. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, you know, hey, you know, just, y'all remember how it was, hey. And I was like, so in my head, I'm thinking, Grandpa's here, and beef fingers, wow. And in, in, in that moment, he didn't give me a million dollars. He didn't buy me a new toy. He didn't take me to Red Sauce to get a milkshake. He didn't take me to Judy's Fun Fashions to play Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, I'm dating myself. He just showed up. See, there's something when you show up. And if we're following Jesus, guess what? When we show up somewhere, it's not just us, but we are bringing all of heaven with us. We are bringing the presence of God with us. The people that you want to see their lives change, show up in their lives. Show up in their lives and don't say a thing. Don't say what you think you ought to say. Don't be like, God, what do I I need to preach to? What do I need to teach? No, just show up. And when they say, why are you here? I'm here because I care for you. 
Because that's what Jesus did. And literally the Bible says that they, when him doing that, I'm going to quote it again. They knew what they thought to be their life was a lie. They knew what they thought their life was to be a lie. Amen. <clears throat> Religious leaders, they complained and said that Jesus was defiling himself by eating with sinners. And look at his response in verse 31 and 32. <clears throat> if you don't mind, pull it back up. Sorry. It says this in uh, verse 31. Okay. No, you're good. It said, Jesus overheard their complaining and said, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? And then verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who fail to measure up and bring them to repentance. Somebody say that word repentance. Now, in the Mirror Study Bible says this, Jesus answered, those who, are good in, those who are good health need no physician, the ailing do. Verse 32, I didn't come to redefine the self-righteous, but those who realize they couldn't get it right by themselves. I came to awaken sinners to recognize their authentic identity mirrored in complete realigned mind. As we talked about before, but that word sinners, that word sin, sinners derived from sin. Sin in the Greek is the word hamartia. Hamartia literally means, hamartia literally means negative or without form, without original identity. It, it points to a distorted identity. It points to a bankrupt identity. So literally it means to, to, to have a, a, a distorted view of yourself, a distorted view of God. And so, you know, if you if you've ever if you ever try to drive in the rain without using windshield wipers, what's going to happen? The same the same when we view God wrongly. We, we begin to we begin to drift away in Hebrews chapter uh, chapter two talks and warns us about drifting away from God. But we have to see God correctly. We have to see God correctly. Amen. And this goes back to the two types of mindsets, old wine versus new wine. They contrast each other. See, old wine, what old wine is, old wine is a religious system that manages your personal behavior and your performance. Old wine, it's all about managing your personal behavior. Man, did I, did I sound like a good Christian today? Did I, did I, did I sound like a, you know, I, I, you know I, with my job, I never ask this question. Man, do I sound like a good postal worker? No. Why? Because the, the, the way to be a good postal worker is to be a good postal worker. Do the job. But unfortunately, as, unfortunately in America, a lot of times we focus more on our perception or our personal behavior or our performance. See, old wine is conscious of sin. See, old wine is conscious of sin. Old wine focuses on judgment and reward. Old wine is all about striving and trying harder. See, the wineskin for, for the old wine is religion. The container that holds you trying to try, hard, or try harder and trying to strive harder, it's called religion. Can I say this? One pastor said, religion is a support group for all the people that turned around and went back. Religion is a support group for all the people that saw what God had. Decided, you know what? What he's done for me, I'm good with this. Can you imagine the nation of Israel? Being delivered from air, I mean, like, you got, it's raining frogs, you got the firstborn, you know, dying, you got all these different things happening. You got the Red Sea splitting, turning into a highway. You turn seas into highways. Da, 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 da. And as they walk through the red, as they walk through the sea that split, I'll be honest. Can I be honest for a minute? Well, as a pastor, you're always supposed to be honest, but let me be really honest. If I'm in the nation of Israel and the, the sea split, I'd be like, ain't no question. <laughs> Ain't no question. But the Bible says that after the sea split and they, they got to the other side, there were still members in the camp that were like, oh, what's, we want to go back. We, we don't understand what's going on here. We want to go back. This, this, this looks different. This looks weird. I don't, I, don't recognize, I don't recognize what's in front of me. I, I, I want to go back. And the Bible talks about, well, well slavery what was behind. You want to go back to it? Yeah, because we, it's familiar. Is what the Bible says. See, old wine is familiar. 
Old wine is familiar. It's familiar territory. Old wine is comfortable. We, you, you've done it for years. You know it like the back of your hand. You know it like the back of your whole old wine. The pastor said that religion is a support group for all the people that turned around and went back. Mark Batterson says it this way. I love it. He said, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He died to make you dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. It's not fire insurance. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. That should be normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in, all out. Pack your coffin. Now, the fact that he ends the phrase with pack your coffin, can I break it down for you? Can I get a little nerd on you this morning? If you've ever read the book All In, the reason he ends it with pack your coffin is because there used to be these missionaries back in the day. There used to be these missionaries that whenever they would get ready to go out onto the mission field, they wouldn't use suitcases. They wouldn't use suitcases to carry their belongings. Ooh, I can feel it. I'm getting excited. They, they, would, they would pack their belongings in coffins. They would pack all their belongings, toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, D.O. for the beat. They pack all of it in coffins. For two things, for two reminders. One, to remind themselves that for Christ, I, for God I live, for God I die. We've seen that as a, in, in the olden days. But for God I live, for God, they would pack their stuff in coffins to remind them that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To remind themselves that, you know what, guess what Jesus said, that if we're going to follow him, we have to literally lay, our, lay take up our cross daily. And see, the cross is a sign of death. The cross is, is where Jesus' flesh died. It's where his flesh died. It's where his flesh died. It's where his flesh, when, you, when we say take up your cross daily, when Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up your cross daily. He's literally saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to die. There's some desires. There's some fleshly desires, as Mazzona would say. There's some flaky things about you that's got to die. That foul language, it's got to die if you're going to follow Jesus. The pettiness, it's got to die and not resurrect if we're going to follow Jesus. The, 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 the desire to get back at people, it's got to die if we're going to follow Jesus. And guess what? We are human, and Jesus knew it, so he said, that's why you got to do it daily. That's why every day you got to choose to put your flesh on the cross and say, okay, Lord, if it's you, then resurrect it. If it's not, leave it there. If, it's, if it doesn't sound like you, leave it on the cross. But if it sounds like you, then let it resurrect. Let my language, put my language on the cross. Put my desires, we said, it, we said it months ago, but every desire that you have, you need to put it in the hot seat and say, okay, does this look like Jesus? Not because, not because you're trying to beat yourself up, not because you're trying to punish yourself, not because you're trying to critique yourself, but because you are trying to sound more like Christ. You are trying to look more like Christ. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily. And guess what? That's why we fast. See, fasting doesn't, doesn't move God. You know, Kelsey said it earlier, but fasting does not move God. Fasting is all about you. It's all about you. The best way to explain it, I heard it years ago, and I've always went with this until Kelsey gave that, that lead-off batter one, and now I'm like, oh, man, that's so good. But, you know, have you ever listened to the radio? Not serious radio. I'm talking about the radio. I'm talking about WZLT 99.3, Swap Shop. I mean, like, whatever it is you're trying to listen to on the radio. But, you know, and you, you have the static, and it's just shh. You know, where our post office is, it's out in the county. I mean, it's out in the country. You feel abandoned and forsaken. But luckily, we're able to get a couple stations. And whenever they're like, turn the radio on, it's a fight because you're turning the dial and it's just shh. But finally, when you get to that one station, it clears up. All the static, all the white noise is gone. Why? Because your antenna, the radio antenna, has locked into that radio station signal. What Fasten does, it, it cuts out all that white noise. It cuts out all the lies that we hear every day. Whether it's through the news, whether it's through your insecurities, whether it's through old painful memories that trigger trauma and drama, it cuts out all the, all the, all the, all the scubula. It cuts out everything. Why? Because guess what? In this life, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to hear him clearly. Amen? Amen. 
It cuts all of it out, all of it out. That's why we fast, because fasting is a way for us to put our flesh on the cross daily. It's a way for us to, to cut out all the static. It's a way for us to cut out all the white noise. It's a way for us to cut out all the insecurities. It's a way to cut out all the uh, depression. It's a way for us to cut out all the anxiety. It's a way for us to cut out the, 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 the pain of your past. What, what's, what's blocking you? What's obscuring your, your, your hearing from God? What's blocking your vision of, of, of gazing upon Jesus and seeing his eyes and seeing your reflection in his eyes? I told that story before about me doing the bedtime blessing with Keenan the last time. And when I say, Keenan, you know, when we got, we're like face to face, nose touching nose. He's my son. I could do that. And I said, when you look in daddy's eyes, what do you see? I see me. And in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 23, when Jesus says, the father desires worshipers. If you, if you study that out, we talked about it last year, but literally that, that, that word worship, it's not singing. It's not singing the first part of a church service. It's face-to-face engagement. Face-to-face engagement. Going from water to wine looks like you making the decision of saying, okay, Lord, I want to get in your face today. I want to get in your face and I want to stare into your eyes. I want to see my reflection. Why? Because, Lord, I have insecurities. Or why, Lord, because I have a past that I'm ashamed of. Why, Lord, because I have a job that I, that I don't particularly like and I struggle with it. But still, Lord, I want to get into your face and I want to see my reflection. I want to see what you see. I want to be reminded that I am the head and not the tail. I want to be reminded that I'm the beloved of God. I want to be reminded that your mercy has wiped out all of my shame. I want to get face to face and see you. And guess what? It's not just it's not just one sided. The Bible says that he desires that same type of relationship. Lindsay, how do we get face to face with God? Guess what? That's why we're fasting. So you can wipe out that 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 nagging voice in your in your head that says that you're not good enough. That nagging voice that says, well, you didn't read enough chapters today. So why, why are you trying to pray to God? Or that nagging voice that says, well, you know, that's, you know, growing up, that's the way they always did it. So, you know, just, you know, come over, come over here and look how I do it different. No. All those nagging voices. With fasting, it goes from One of my favorite things about a synthesizer, and I don't do it here, but one of my favorite things about a synthesizer is there's this thing called a cutoff. It's called a, a filter cutoff. And what that filter cutoff goes, and I won't show you, I won't demonstrate, I used to, I, 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 the nerd of me wants to. But, you know, if you ever listen to a very uh, pumped up song where it's like, dun, 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 you know, what that filter cutoff does, it goes from, dun, 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 dun. it sweeps and takes out all the high frequencies and makes it into one quiet sound. Fasting removes all those high frequencies. All the lies that the devil throws at us. All the, 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 the voices of regret. He sweeps, it sweeps them out. And what's left? See, when, when, you, when you're trying to find that radio station, after you get past all the white noise, what's left? The radio station is what left. Well, so when we fast and, we, and we're able to wipe out all that, that white noise, what's left? Beloved identity is what's left. The voice of the Father is what's left. Not the voice of old wine. Not the voice of a dictator. Not the voice of a crucial judger. But the Father is what's left. See, I said, I I didn't say this earlier, but fasting, the reason fasting is crucifying your flesh, it's because your your body can survive without coffee. I don't like that truth, but it's true. Your body can survive without coffee. Your body can survive without chocolate. Your body can survive without sugar. It can survive without soda. I found that out this year. It can survive without soda. But you know what? Some good caffeine, caffeinated soda. It does, it does feel good. I will say this yesterday. I was driving, working. I'm getting sleepy. And normally when I stop at the store, I always get you know, two bottles of water because when I get hot, I don't want to drink a bunch of soda. It just makes me feel icky. So I'd rather drink water as I'm sweating and whatever. And uh, But yesterday I was just... I was just sleepy. I mean, like, I, and my job, I got to stay awake. Got to stay awake, you know. And I'm like, so I'm going in the, I'm in the gas station. I'm just, I'm about to grab my water, and I look over, and there's a Coke, and I'm like, ah, 
you know, maybe, maybe this might do something. Well, let's see. So I grab a Coke, get in the car, you know, I go about driving, doing a couple boxes, and I, I forgot I had the Coke. And I'm getting, so I was like, oh, man. So I got that Coke. Let me, you know, I, I ain't never heard it crisp when it opened like that, but buddy, it did. It must, it must have known that, oh, you about to fast, so we got to make this hard for you. But, uh, you know, turned it, cracked it open. I was like, whoop. Took a sip. I, I was just happened to be looking in the rearview mirror because I could see if there's traffic coming. And I watched my pupils <laughs> go, whoop. I was like, whoo, whoo, that'll do it right there. I said, that will do it. <laughs> oh, baby. And they said, no, I'm doing about 50 on them back rows, just throwing letters up. Ted's Kel say, hey, I'm heading back to the post office. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but your body, as, much, as much as that feels good, guess what? Your body can survive without it. Your emotions can survive without Netflix. Your emotions can survive without certain people in your life. Our emotions can survive without social media. Why? Because guess what? None of those things had the power to go to the cross for you. Therefore, the power that all those things have in our life is false. Remember that as we fast. And trust me, we'll go back over this next week and over the weeks to come. But as you're faster, remember, you know, the things that you truly want, it's false. It doesn't have that hold on you like you think it does. Amen. Amen, amen. So when we finally get rid of the white noise, the sound that's coming across the station is this sound. It sound. It's the sound of your beloved identity. It's the sound that says that you too are the beloved of God. It's the sound that says that he has bought you with his blood. It's the, it's the voice that says that, uh, on, that on his hand he has written out your name. It's the voice that says that you are one with the Father. You are the one that the Father loves. You are the one that Papa loves. His mercy has defeated all your shame. That, that's what you get to hear when you clear out all the white noise. And Lindsay, why, why do we need to hear that? Because in a world that screams how wrong we are, for following a God we can't see, it'd be nice to have a voice that reminds us, you know what, His, my, mercy has, my mercy has cleared out all the things that you're embarrassed about. It'd be nice to be reminded that, you know what, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Ah, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let me close with this. We talked about old wine and what old wine is, but let me tell you what new wine is. New wine is favor. New wine is forgiveness. I love this one. New wine is restored innocence and union with our bridegroom. You know who your bridegroom is? Your bridegroom is Jesus. New wine is being having an innocence that's been restored. You know, one of, one, of the, one of the hard things about being a parent to small children is robbing them of their innocence. Yeah, I, I, I taught this big game, and I didn't even tell Kelsey this, but I taught this big game of how we wasn't going to, you know, we, we need to tell these kids, Santa ain't real. Santa ain't getting up at, you know, 5 in the morning and getting to the post office at 630 to put, you know, packages in people's doors. Santa ain't doing that. Daddy doing that. And I was like, you too, Kelsey? Santa? Santa ain't going to watch them kids. Santa ain't going there making sure them kids go to the bathroom. Santa ain't putting food on. No, you are. We're going to tell them we Santa. Santa daddy, Santa mommy, you know, for years she would always be like, no, no, no. So finally this year we did it. We told them. And you know what? I, I had a good friend. I can keep a good poker face. I'm good. Like if we play a poker, I'm, I'm, I keep a good. You ain't going to know if I got good cards or bad cards. And I kept a good poker face, but in my heart, I was so sad. I was so sad. They cried a little bit and then they went on or whatever. But I was like, man, this is one notch of innocence. We, you know, we had to reveal that, you know, hey. It's not real. But with Jesus, new wine is restored innocence. So the things that you've been robbed of in life, the things that you feel like, man, if, if I could just, if, I, if somebody would have told me this, I could have avoided all this. My, my emotions would have been different. My emotional state would have been better. My emotional state would have been more prepared for this. Guess what? In Jesus, in the new wine that he pours into us, that has been restored to us. Innocence has been restored to you. As if you never sinned. Now, Lindsay, you're walking a fine line with that. No, 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 I'm not. Because the Bible says that Jesus died for your sins. And when we accept the new wine that he's pouring in us, guess what? It's as if we never sinned. In his eyes, it's as if we never sinned. Why? Because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb.
Why? Because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. New wine is restored to innocence with, and union with our bridegroom. You've been brought into union with him. New wine is being saved. I love this one. And we may have to stop here and finish the rest of next week. I don't know. But new wine is being saved from inferior thoughts. New wine. New wine is being saved from inferior thoughts. You know what inferior thoughts are? And I can, I can go weeks on this. New, uh, inferior thoughts are the thoughts that make you feel less than. Make you feel less than your eternal worth. Not, not how they value you on your job. Not that worth. Not the worth of your family. No, your eternal worth. The reason God created you. And there's thoughts that we have that make us feel less than worthy of our existence. There's thoughts that we have that make us feel like we don't deserve God to bless us. We don't deserve to be part of the family of God, the triunion of God. We don't deserve for the church to grow. We don't deserve to have nice things. We don't deserve to have new. We don't deserve. I don't deserve to, to, to have a spouse or I don't deserve to have a new spouse. I don't deserve to have children. Or I don't deserve to have a good job. I don't deserve these different things. Why? Because I've done this or I've seen this or I've, I've lived this. Those inferior thoughts. Guess what? He saves us from that. He saves us from that. Yes, they'll still, like cars on the highway, they'll still be traveling. But what he does, he camps himself around us. And those thoughts, they have to bounce off somewhere. And they're bouncing off him. Why? Because he's the lion in front of us. The lion behind us, the lion on the left of us, and the lion on the right of us. Protecting us. Not just from danger, but from those inferior thoughts. From the strength and the sting of those inferior thoughts. Paul said it best, oh death, where is your sting? He saves you from those inferior thoughts. There's times where, uh, let, let me best explain it this way. You ever, you ever had it, you know, you're driving down the road for me, driving down the road thinking about my past. And, you know, you get lost in a, in a vortex of just thinking about your past and how it could have went. And all of a sudden you snap out of it. You're like, whew, Lord, thank you that that's not reality that's what it looked right there that's him saving you from inferior thoughts when you start to when you start to drift in your mind and you you go down a wormhole and instantly you snap out that's him saving you from your inferior thoughts that's the new wine taking activation he does that not because not because he feels obligated to but because he loves you and he's willing to go into the darkest holes to pull you out of Lindsay, how do I know why? Because when Adam and Eve entered darkness, 4,000 years later, we see the word made flesh and lived among us the same way that we lived. New wine is freedom from condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Well, guess what? You have freedom from condemnation. (coughs) Freedom from condemnation. Listen to this. New wine is freedom from striving. New wine is freedom from trying harder. Yes, it's the beginning of the year. Kelsey said that everybody loves to do the trends of, you know, okay, we're going to go to the gym. Or we're going we're to go all out. <clears throat> the new wine that God wants to give. It doesn't look like you striving harder. It doesn't look like you trying harder. It looks like you, it looks like you beholding. See, you become what you behold. You know what that word behold means? Woo! Lindsay, what does it mean? That word behold, uh, let, me, let, me, let, me get the <clears throat> let me give the actual definition before I, before I get giddied out. But that word behold literally means to fit, the, to fit your eyes upon to see with attention, to observe with care, to fit your eyes upon something. That's what beholding means. You know what that sounds like, church? It sounds like gazing. You become what you gaze upon. You focus your eyes, you, you gaze upon certain shows. I can tell you right now, my kids, they gaze upon certain shows. Guess what? And they say, no, they start acting like those characters. They got, there's one show that has been banned in our house. Because for some reason, it 
I'm, it turns, it presses the crazy button. There's a crazy button within all three of my boys' minds. And when they watch the show, it activates it, and these boys, these boys go cuckoo bananas. It's called Quack Pack. The reason I know it's crazy, because I watched it, and I would go crazy watching it. And literally, I watched Cohen one time. They was with, uh, they was with G-Daddy. Or no, Drea. Yeah, Drea. It was Drea. <laughs> well, Drea, we come home, and Cohen's literally like this. <sighs> I said, what? I look at the TV, I said, oh, y'all been watching Quack Pack, and I'd already gotten on to Kellen and Keenan about it, and Kellen's like, he just smiles. I'm like, oh, yeah, you knew better. You, you took advantage of this. And Drea's like, I'm so sorry. No, 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 they knew better. They knew better. And sure enough, the rest of the night, them boys were just, <sighs> why? Because they, were, they had gazed their eyes upon. See, naturally, what you gaze your eyes upon, you become. The same way in God, what we gaze upon, we become. If we gaze upon Jesus, we're going to become more like him. Not if you read more chapters, not if you read 100 chapters, you're not going to become like Jesus after reading 100 chapters. Lindsay, are you saying we shouldn't read the Bible? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you just focus your energy on your performance and you trying harder and you striving harder to be like Jesus, it's not going to happen. But if you focus your energy on gazing upon his eyes, what's going to happen is you're going to reflect what you see. And all of a sudden, just naturally, you're going to sound more like Jesus. You're going to have more patience like Jesus. You're going to have more empathy like Jesus. You're not going to put up with scuba that people throw your way like Jesus. You're going to know and trust and know that, you know what? Uh, guilt and shame may be a part of my past, but his mercy is new every morning. And that new mercy wipes every ounce of guilt. It wipes every ounce of shame in my past. It wipes every mistake. It wipes every iota. Why? Because I get to live in a filter of grace. I'm the beloved of God the same way he he loves Jesus. He loves me. He withholds nothing from me. He withholds nothing from me. He withholds nothing from me. I am his son. I am his son. And if our earthly father would give good gifts to his son, how much more will Papa protect me? How much more will Papa provide for me? How much more will Papa go ahead of the road and see what's coming and detour me on a different path? Why? Why? Because we are the beloved of God. Listen, church, what new wine looks like when God said, I'm taking you for water to wine, what that's going to look like is we're going to have to fix our eyes upon him instead of fixing our eyes upon the way we've always done things. I'm going to say this. What is new wine? What does all this have to do with us? I'm going to say it this way. What, every, what all this has to do with this as a collective, we haven't seen the growth that's been prophesied because we've been praying for new wine while refusing to shed the old wine skin. That's, that's all of this, all of this theology at the core of it literally is this. We've been praying for new wine for years. But we've refused to shed the old wineskin. We've refused to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm told, I'm, I'm, you can have this part of the steer. Well, I'm going to take this part under here and we'll move it together. Or Lord, uh, Lord, I know you want to do something, but uh, you know this. We we grew up dressing this way, so you know we'll meet half and half. You 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 take the top, and we'll do the bottoms. It's either new wine or bust. It's not new wine and old wine together. It's either new wine or bust, church. And for this church, if we want to grow, guess what? The old wine skins gotta go. The old way of doing things has gotta go. The old way of thinking has gotta go. Not just for us as a church, but individually. Where is God trying to pour new wine in your life, but you're, you're still afraid, too afraid to let go of the steering wheel? You're too afraid to shed the old wine skin. Well, well God, my parents have always done it this way, or, or I, I've always known it this way, or, or I, I've been hurt before, so I, I, gotta, I gotta keep my wall up. And God's like, I want to give you new wine, but what I want to give you in your current state, it will bust and it will destroy you. Jesus literally said that new wine, when it's poured into an old wine skin, it busts. And then what God has given is a waste to everybody. Maybe that's why some of our prayers haven't been answered. Why? Because God doesn't waste a thing. And God's like, I hear your prayers, but I'm, I'm not about to waste my glory. I'm not about to waste what I want to do in Henderson County or Lexington until you let go until we let go and you know how we let go by fasting that's one way man you can't tell me letting go of coffee that 
for, for me, I don't know about it, but for me, I definitely, by the end of, I definitely hear God clearly because <laughs> brother's struggling, physically the struggling. Yeah, yeah, I will again. I don't say it joyfully, but I will. But you know why I will? And this isn't a brag because I, I do not like bragging about what we do spiritually or what we do for God. But because as the Lord has given this to me for the church, he's given it to me as well. There's areas in my life where the old wineskin is still up and up and running for all to see. I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord, let's shed this old wineskin. Lord, maybe that's why prayer, my prayers haven't been answered because there's still old, old religion still somewhere holding everything. There's still traditions that are still holding everything. And if we're going to allow him to pour new wineskin, then guess what? We have to allow him to do it. And this church, it may, it may it, not may, it will look like that the exterior will be different. It will look like the interior will be different. I know some of y'all thought we was doing new wine by just turning the lights off and introducing tracks because we don't have a full worship team yet. We will have a full worship team in Jesus' name. We will have a full crowd. We will have full things, but not until the old wine skin has been shed. When Jesus said, when he's talking about the new wine and old wine, he's talking about mindsets. Which way are you going, which mindset are you going to use to live your life with? Which one are you going to use to live your life with? Listen, Jesus is so much more than what we traditionally know him to be. Jesus is so much more than what we traditionally know him to be. And I believe that's the heartbeat of God for, this, for us this year, to move us from water to wine. And in order to do that, things got to be shed. We have to be open. We have to be open when certain people walk in the church. Stank face can't go on. Stain face can't go on with certain people. Oh, are you? Are they? Versus, hey, welcome. You know, we didn't get to do it because we didn't get to do it because we had certain circumstances happen this morning. But there's a song, and we'll sing it next Sunday. There's a song that we was going to open up with. It literally says, it literally says, welcome Jesus and take residence in us. Take residence in us. That needs to be your prayer this, this upcoming month. As we fast, Jesus, take residence in me. Lord, take residence in my heart. Take residence in my in the way I in 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 the way I deal with people. I don't just want to put up with people. I want to show them your glory. Jesus didn't just put up with the people at the feast. He didn't just put up with the sinners. No. He ate with them. He talked with them. He loved, he did life with them. And as he did life with them, as he was genuine, the Bible says that they saw his genuineness and it revealed to them that they, they were doing life the wrong way. Oh, I know, I know it's ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us to point out when people are wrong. It's ingrained in us. Denominationally, it is ingrained in you to point out when people are doing wrong. But new wine doesn't point out what people are doing wrong. New wine reflects the glory of life and allows Jesus, allows the Holy Spirit through your life to show them where they are wrong without you having to say a word, without you having to point out, hey, hey, you're doing this wrong, hey, hey, no. The glory of God will handle that. New wine takes care of itself, amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed.